So I want to talk some uh, truth here for a moment. Not really the capital T truth that I talked about last week, um, but it's truth nonetheless. And the truth is, I love to complain about things. If you're smiling, I'm assuming that's because, you know, everybody likes to complain about things every now and then. I'm not saying I like to do it non-stop, but you know, sometimes it just feels really good to complain. You know, when someone else has done something that you didn't like, or they didn't do it as well as you could have, or they didn't say it the way you wanted them to, sometimes it just feels good to rip into it. Right? You don't have to raise your hands on that. I think all of us have this feeling sometimes. There's something a little cathartic about it. And yes, even pastors sometimes feel this way. In fact, sometimes I think pastors, when we get together and we talk about one another, never sit with a pastor in a church service because we will point out everything that everybody does wrong. I mean, what? That's not. Now, I'm making light of this because sometimes, a lot of the times, the things we complain about maybe aren't the most important things in the world. Maybe they're the little things like how a worship service goes and if I was running it, I would do it this way. But other times, there are, are uh, there's a whole other category, I would say, of complaints that are serious. I would even go as far as to say these are part of our Christian duty that I mentioned last week when we talk about resisting evil injustice and injustice in whatever ways they present themselves. These are serious complaints, things where there have been wrongs done in the world, wrongs to us, wrongs to others. And to a certain extent, it's okay to complain about these things, right? We need to mention these things. When we see injustice in the world, we're called as Christians to speak up, to speak truth, the capital T truth, the gospel truth. But what happens when we talk about prophetic voice? Are complaining and prophetic voice the same thing? They might be addressing the same issues, but are they the same thing? This month we're talking all about what prophetic voice is and how we go about using it and the call we as Christians have to use it to speak truth to power. Tonight I want to tell you that prophetic voice is not complaining. It's definitely not the first kind of complaining I talked about. Because prophetic voice cannot be about tearing down another. And it can't be about winning to be right. Prophetic voice is something else. And it's also not the second way. It's not that this 
these things that we might complain about or that complaining itself is an invalid expression it's just different from prophetic voice because it's coming from a different place and that my complaints generally come from me they're from my experiences of the world the experiences that I've seen again they can be legitimate complaints and legitimate experiencing of things that need to be spoken against but complaining is not the same thing as prophetic voice and sometimes that can be a very fine line but two things come to mind for me when I think about what separates prophetic voice from complaining and first it's that oftentimes when we're complaining we're looking backward we're looking at what's happened what what caused but prophetic voice is something different prophetic voice is addressing the past but looking to the future it's looking to where we're going not where just where we've been it's seeking to more closely mirror the kingdom of God by addressing those issues and not just complaining about them and the second that comes to mind for me is love the foundation of prophetic voice is grounded in love and must always be spoken from a place of love always must be spoken from a place of love for it to be true prophetic voice now one thing about my complaining that I can tell you is it's not always spoken from a place of love and we can laugh about that but in reality sometimes it's because I for many reasons I'm needing to express something I'm needing to say something and you know oftentimes my complaining turns more into that tearing things apart and complaining about how others could do things better how my supervisors shouldn't have said that or my I shouldn't have been forced to go to this committee meeting or this committee doesn't work well because of this and that and I could just go on and on about all of the ways but you know the problem with all of that is it's very destructive maybe not in reality am I tearing down the committee no but I'm certainly not building it up I'm not helping it progress especially if I'm doing it with my friends away from them which is where I often do a lot of my complaining prophetic voice comes from a place of love it builds up it creates it moves us forward now our scripture this evening is one of the most recognizable passages of scripture period if for nothing else then people love to use it in weddings now I would be uh, haunted by one of my professors if I didn't tell you right now that uh, one of my seminary professors 
If I didn't tell you that that's the wrong kind of love that this passage is talking about. A wedding is one kind of love. This is a different kind of love. You see, there's actually four different types of love that we hear in the New Testament, in the Greek. Four words that all are mashed together in English as one word, love. There's this word philio, which is the root for which we get the name Philadelphia, which means brotherly love or platonic love. This is the love you have for your friends. And then there is uh, storge, which is, I may not be pronouncing right, uh, I didn't take Greek in seminary. <laughs> But this is familial love. This is the love you have for your family. I like to think of this as the love that says, I may not like you, but your family, so I love you. Then there's eros, which is where we get the word erotic from. And so this is the romantic kind of love. This is the wedding kind of love. And then there's this fourth kind of love. And there's this word called agape. We like to use this word in church because it means unconditional love. Oftentimes when we're giving things away, we'll call it agape. Because giving stuff away is loving people, right? Well, it can be. Agape is unconditional love. It's a love that sees past our faults and our flaws. It's a love that expects nothing in return. It's the love that God has for us. And this... Agape is what Paul is writing about in 1 Corinthians 13. The entire passage is about this agape, this unconditional love, and we are called to practice it. One thing I wanted to do for tonight, but I didn't know where to find any, uh, is get a pair of cymbals and have someone behind me and start banging them and see how much you could hear me as those cymbals banged back and forth, back and forth, and clanged loudly. Because Paul writes here in this beautiful imagery that I can speak in the tongues of angels, speaking with a divine voice, and yet, if I do not have love, I'm like a clanging cymbal. Might as well just have a clanging cymbal right behind me, drowning out everything I say, because none of it matters if I don't speak from a place of love, a place of unconditional love. If love is not my starting point, then everything is pointless. My voice can be just drowned out. What Paul is trying to tell us here is that it doesn't matter what we do, how perfectly we do it, how amazingly right we are, if we're not coming from a place of love. If love isn't the starting point. Reverend Dr. Patrick G. Dugan wrote, there is something intensely pure and loving about a focus on staying in relationship when so many things divide and separate. 
There's something otherworldly about love that chooses to love when tolerance is good enough or hatred is socially acceptable. Sometimes it's easy to hate. Sometimes it's even socially acceptable to hate. I mean, if you turn on right-wing or left-wing news media, they're going to tell you who you can hate and who it's okay to hate and who are the worst people in the world and why it's okay to hate those people. It's socially acceptable. And yet, love says something different. Love is more than tolerance. It's definitely more than socially acceptable hatred. Love is something deeper that says we're called to live in this right way, but not just to live in this right way so we can say we're great and lord it over other people, but to live an unconditional love that says I love you. If you go through the history of why Paul was writing this letter to the Corinthians, part of it was because there were some folks who had it all figured out. They lived piety, and they had all of the right answers, and inside of their community, they let everybody know it. And so Paul is writing to the community in Corinth, that first church Corinth, and saying, hey, listen, <laughs> you know what? I don't care how perfect you are. I don't care how right you are. I don't care how much you have done all of the right things and you've prayed the right prayers and, and you have spoken to Jesus more than anyone else in the church today. If you can't come from a place of love, then all of it is meaningless. What does it matter if it's not coming from a place of love? You know, part of it is just because when it's, when I get like that, when I start to get proud of myself, it's because it's about myself. Not that we shouldn't be proud of ourselves, but when we get overly proud of ourselves, when I'm so certain I have all the answers. You know, some of those things that lead me to complaining about, because clearly I have the right answers and other people are just doing it wrong. When I get proud, it's about me. And love is not about me. Love is about others. That's the challenging part of this prophetic voice, because speaking truth in love is hard. I know there's plenty of times I look around and I see things that I want to change and I think should change and maybe they should. I can list off a whole list of things and I did some last semester that I think is wrong with the United Methodist Church that I so dearly love. But it's not about the things that I think need to change, but it's about God's vision, God's divine vision for the world. And it may sound a little hokey, but love can really make a difference. 
I heard a story from a pastor who traveled to the Holy Land, and while they were there, uh, they went to something called the Parent Circle, which it's a grassroots organization for Palestinians and Israelis who have lost loved ones due to conflict. At this meeting, they had two representatives speak, two fathers, one a Palestinian and one an Israeli, who had both lost daughters in the conflict. They had honest discussion about conflict and about life before and after the wall that was built. And they said this, no matter how, no wall, no matter how high, can stop two kinds of people. One determined suicide bomber and the one determined peacemaker. The fathers each went on to tell their stories of having lost a child. To talk about how devastating that was. To talk about the pain that they faced. And the question of how can I carry on having lost my child due to such senseless violence. Now, it would have been easy for them to choose revenge. Many do choose revenge when faced with such violence to ease their pain. But these folks who were gathered as part of this parents' circle realized that the only way forward was if they actually talked to each other. In each other, they found the way to carry on because, in their words, our blood is the same color, our tears are just as bitter. They found a way to carry on that shows peace instead of revenge, conversation instead of fear, life instead of death, because it is not our destiny to kill each other in this holy land. The same thing was at stake for both fathers. Peace. And it was the love of their children, the love of the home they had, love of their communities that drove them to be peacemakers, forging a path based in love instead of revenge. That's what we're talking about tonight. When our starting point is love, when we can take the worst possible thing someone can do and find a way to love. It's not always easy. In fact, it's often very hard. Angela spoke brilliantly on Thursday about some of the challenges of loving some people. That'll be up on the website. I encourage you to listen to it. Because <laughs> I don't want to just repeat everything you said. But uh, There's challenges in loving some people. There's vulnerability in loving some people. And finding ways to be safe and love other people can be a real challenge. But we're still called to love everyone. To move forward from a place not of revenge, not of anger, not of destruction into a place of hope and justice and truth.
that capital T truth, that gospel truth that says every single one of us is a beloved child of God. Every single one of us, no matter what we ever do, no matter how far we step outside the bounds of God's desires for us, we will still always be under that agape, unconditional love. Now, that sounds huge. Because I want to tell you that I love everyone perfectly all, the day, all day long, every day. But as I've already confessed, I don't. All of us struggle from time to time. And Paul actually gives us a word of hope. And he says in verse 12, Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. Now that's a complicated, fancy way of saying, right now, I don't know everything. In the future, in God's kingdom, I will. And I'll be known by the one who has always known me. It means that when he says, when I was a child, I acted as a child, and when I became an adult, I put childish ways away. What he really means to say is, I'm actively trying to put those childish ways away. I was hesitant to use that because I don't want to make us feel like he's belittling us, but I think he's trying to teach us something about how we approach this, and that's to say that we're all growing. We're all on a journey. It's a process. Life doesn't transform overnight, unfortunately. We don't transform overnight. And so the hope here is that as we pursue this love, as we seek to be people who speak truth and love all the time, as we seek to look around and love everyone around us all the time, know that we're on a journey and we'll stumble sometimes. And you know what? That agape love is there for us too. God is not giving up on us. And God is there as we stumble and reaching down to pick us back up as we seek to step out and speak truth again. Amen. Amen.